Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams. And I'm Joe Anderson. Joe. Yep. Today is like one of my favorite guests. Yeah, it's us. It's us. When you're so, your own hero. I would just like to say thank you for having me on. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible honor to talk to you, Joe, and probably talk to myself. Well, it's kind of lonely, isn't it? <laughs> but the reason for that, Joe, is because we want to kind of pick our own brains around operational performance. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you define that for us? Uh, well, there's what's called operational performance management and what it is um in basic terms is it's an alignment of all the business units i think the confusion comes in is because it has the term operational in it and so people assume it's operations although it can be led by operations the point is is that the business operates and so it's about the operations of the business as a whole um and it's the alignment of all those units um, within an organization and making sure that they're all working together to meet the, you know, the core business goals or the organizational objectives. And so it's kind of like uh, TPM because it has the word maintenance in it. Everybody believes that it's a maintenance department initiative or total quality management, meaning that it's only a quality initiative. Um, operational performance management kind of gets that same uh, critique, which it's within its context, it has operations is included, but it, it's talking about all the business units. It's your quality department, your supply chain, your maintenance department, your safety department, you know, everyone working together to achieve the same goals. They'll just hit it from their own perspective. Oh, well, it sounds like this podcast, a complete waste of time. Nobody has trouble with that <laughs> right <laughs> well everyone. you know every every one of our podcasts in just about every discussion we talk about it always comes back to leadership and this <laughs> I wonder is why and this is one of those things where this is the tool that leadership uses to set direction based off of the organizational directions that they're given see there's basically four I don't want to call them performance models, but they kind of are. But basically, there's your strategic model, which is the overall organizational objectives. Then there's, you know, operational performance management. And then there's your team performance and individual performance. Of course, team and individual performance, those are the people that go out and execute the tasks that are determined through your operational performance management strategy, which is you detailing down basically to the task level, what needs to be done. And, um, so team performance and individual performance should be based off of the results of implementing whatever that performance management plan is. Um, so, you know, it kind of is that, but that takes time to develop and it takes a cross-functional team of leadership to sit together and to understand how each one of them operate and how they contribute 
um, and how they will contribute to the overall business need. Wait, so you mean hiring one of those fancy consultant firms to write it on paper doesn't mm. isn't that not enough? <laughs> um, you know, being consultants ourselves, I guess you know, but um, it depends on the level of maturity that's within your organization. Do you have the skill set and knowledge to do it? Um, but also not just hiring any consulting firm, hiring one that knows what they're doing with a proven track record of results, not a fluff slide of I've worked with all these clients. That doesn't mean anything, right? Show me some results, you know, what came out of it? You know, how many plants have you turned around? How many cultures have you revolutionized? Um, which I think those firms are few and far between. You know, what, what separates the organizations that, that drive performance, I guess, through that strategic level down to the shop floor, which is really what we're talking about is, is good communication skills and, and living that vision. Right. And, mm -hmm. and what tends to happen, cause I, you know, I've been in lots and lots of leadership, you can call them meetings, powwows, um, you know, workshops in a, in a variety of organizations and at all kinds of levels. And what tends to happen is everyone's excited. They leave, go back to their office and, you know, nothing, right? Just poof. That was wonderful. We all met. We all aligned on what we want to do. Nobody below me knows anything. I don't hold them accountable to anything. Yep. And that's just kind of where it fails. Right. <laughs> how, do you, how do you get over that roadblock? Well, it's, well, the, <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> variables there and that's a big problem. But one is if you truly believe in performance, you need to do an assessment of your site or your organization to understand its strengths and weaknesses, including down to your labor pool. Do they have the skill sets required to achieve the vision? So if not, you know, first step in the performance management plan should be to develop those skill sets um, to where they can autonomously work to achieve the goals based on the knowledge that you've invested in them. Um, that, you know, do you have good leadership? <laughs> it's, you know, it's, um, so, right. But that has to be defined. Like, you right. know, what's good leadership. And I, you know, for me, the way I, the way I approach it and the way I try to coach folks is that they have to raise their own bar first yep. and use their influence and, and their expectations of where the bar is to get everybody else to raise their bar. And I don't think that's any different in whether it's, you know, whether it's values or your company mission or, you know, strategic goal for this year to continually communicate it and live at the expectation level and above is really what helps drive everyone else to understand it as well as, um, I guess, interpret it to their position and how they contribute. And I, I like, I don't know what school the folks that run the safety programs go to to learn how to do that, but that works. And we tend to drop that 
at the strategic company level, right? Mm -hmm. The repetitive nature of it, the, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk part of it, the everybody has to speak up part of it. All of those things, if we approached our business goals in a similar way, would we, we would achieve a lot as organizations. Yeah, but that would, you know, again, like I said, there's a lot of variables there, but it requires some self-motivation um, from a leadership perspective to get up to speed as to what is needed to be done and some self-awareness to understand that you might not have the skill sets that you need um, even within yourself to achieve what's set before you. So what are you going to do about it? You know, where do you go to get training and where do you go, you know, um, who are you going to rely on those types of things? And, and, but it's, it's amazing when uh, a leader sets direction, how everyone comes together to try to achieve it. The problem is, is a lot of companies don't truly set that direction. They just say, we need to lower costs. And everybody hears we need to lower costs. And that's the only thing that gets communicated. And not how are we going to do it? Why do we need to do it? You know, there's a lot of things around that when you set direction. It's people need to understand. They need to comprehend the reason for lowering costs and and ways in which you can go about doing it without, you know, killing jobs or or performance. It's funny. I, I've never seen a business plan where anyone said, okay, I'm going to start this business so I can lower my costs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how that becomes a strategic goal at that level is is bizarre to me. Well, it's, I think operating effectively and efficiency may, means you operate at the right cost, right? Right. And and that can be as low as possible to deliver optimal results. Right. But to arbitrarily just say, let's go cut. Yeah, that drives me nuts when I hear it. But it's that shows you the level of ineptitude that exists. You, know, <laughs> you, you see it everywhere. And, um, and it's... You know, I blame them some, but I blame really a lot of the educational system for that as well, because they teach that and they teach you need to hop around every two or three years in order to get promotions and better pay and, and all this stuff. So there's never stability within a company. And so you finally get a good leader. He's a champion. He's doing things. You're getting results. And the guy up and leaves and goes on to the next thing, you know, and and that a lot of that is taught in school. I mean, I'm a business management major, right? And I was told repeatedly, you know, you stay two or three years and you jump on to the next thing. And, you stay and some companies have a model where, you know, if they have multiple sites, say the GM, you know, he's got a three-year tenure and then he's moving to another plant. So he learns the whole business. Yeah. And while they're doing it in their head for a good reason, the problem is that GM knows they're gone and all they do is try to cut for three years. So they look good when they move to the next plant. So, yeah. so regardless of whether or not the plant's effective, when they walk out, they don't have to worry about that. They, right. you know what I mean? It's like being a politician, right? Like when there's some underlying root causes that I won't get into here, but stated is the fact that we've truly lost 
the vision as what it means to be in business. There's a lot of underlying root causes today in business that shows that we've basically lost our focus as to why we're in business, right? And there's a few reasons why someone starts a business. You know, one is, is they truly believe in their product and want to try to make a world a better place because of it. Two, they would, you know, the dream is to grow so that you can help, you know, other people better their lives through your business, which by employment and those types of things, down to the fact that you're in business to make money. And that focus has been lost. We're so focused on, and not to say that it's the wrong thing. It's just that when you focus solely on certain things, you neglect others. So, you know, social responsibilities are a big deal today. I'm not saying you neglect those, but in putting so much focus on those things, you lose focus on what it means to be a business. You know, in doing so, ultimately you're there to make money. That's the purpose of being in a business. And the reasons for making that money vary, right? For some entrepreneurs, it's it's freedom, you know, having financial freedom and helping others attain financial freedom for others. It's, you know, they enjoy their product. They want to get it out more. Um, but in order to grow, you have to raise more capital. So you need to make money. You know, there's all these reasons, but I think we've lost our focus on, on that. And we focus more on a lot of the wrong things. Um, but a lot, when you make money, it allows you to do those other things and do them well. The main focus should be on making money. Well, it so, also allows you to hide ineffectiveness, right? When you're mm -hmm. making money. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how this snowballs inside of certain companies. They grow so fast that that they don't have to be efficient or effective or it's focus true, on. But it's only only to a certain degree, right? Until the growth stops. Because there comes a point where competition enters the market, growth stops, and now you're left with this you know, big, fat, happy cow that is now depleting your resources. Yeah. yeah. You know? So let's think about this from the other direction, Joe. So let's say you're a shop floor employee mm -hmm. and you have no idea what the vision goals, communications aren't getting down to you. What can you do to improve without understanding it? Or where do you go to get that understanding if you're a shop floor employee? Well, you got to start asking questions, but I, I would say there's two things, right? One is learn your job and learn how to do it well, right? Looking for any inefficiencies um, and lack of effectiveness, you know, your foundational pieces that should exist. Learn what those things should be, um, what they are, and do it well and execute well. The other thing is I would be asking questions of people above me to communicate what those things are i mean i've been in the position myself coming up as you know a maintenance mechanic where i've done the same thing but you know my first focus was to make sure that my skills were honed enough that i would be considered one of the best mechanics um, that existed and the second i would just start asking questions i'd ask my maintenance manager i'd ask the plant manager i'd ask the operations manager ask the quality manager to get them to help me to understand what it is that we're supposed to be doing. And uh, nine times out of 10, 
well, that's even a high probability. <laughs> but, but yeah, we'll just say for the sake of argument, nine times out of ten, people have a vision of what they want in their head, but they don't really know either. Yeah. Now, what if you're middle management and you're in an environment where people, you know, senior leadership and, and you know, the, the head honchos are screaming, these are our values, but you know in your head that you're not allowed to live by those values because um, they're not taken seriously, aside from quitting and going to a company that does value their values. Um, yeah, but the grass, the grass isn't always greener either, and that's what yeah. people don't understand is 99.9% yeah, yeah. of these companies are in the same predicament. And so if you're lucky enough to get in a 0.01% company, that's great, but typically you're going to go from having this certain problem to now going over and having a completely different, maybe even more frustrating problem. Um, but for me, you know, my advice to people is, is um, you can try to be like me, but it comes with consequences. Right. But I was, <laughs> I was always the type that would ask for forgiveness. Right. As a middle-level manager, you hired me as the subject matter expert, and I'm going to go out and execute regardless of uh, what you tell me to do. And what I'll do is I'll mold my language to fit your language so it sounds like we're doing great things. But the right things to do are always the right things to do. That doesn't change. <laughs> right? Yeah. It doesn't change. For example, in maintenance, you know, developing an equipment maintenance strategy, you know, doing your criticality analysis, looking at your top critical assets, developing those PM tasks that address those failure modes that you've identified, um, training to PDM technologies, implementing the PDM technologies, implementing planning and scheduling, using your CMMS system, utilizing it more robustly, correcting your, your storeroom and, and, you know, creating job plans and kidding, all those types of things. I don't care what it is you tell me to do. I'm doing that. Those are the right things to do. That's called effectiveness, doing the right things. I want all those effective systems in place so that then as I get them installed, we work on the efficiency piece, which is making them better, streamlining the problem is today is everyone's focused on efficiency. You can do all the wrong things and make them more efficient. The, the focus shouldn't be on efficiency. It should be fo focused on effectiveness, getting all those right things in place, those foundational things in place, and then work on improving them. And so no matter where I went and who I worked for, I focused on getting the foundations right and getting those systems in place you can call it whatever you want we called it tpm we called it you know uh performance management we called it progressive maintenance we call it sqms we call it all these different names and i would just adopt their language to what it is i was doing because i'm the subject matter expert you hired me to be the subject matter expert and that's how i'm going to execute and if that goes against everything you're telling me to do, then we'll ask for forgiveness. But in the end, this so 
Yeah. But I think there's a fundamental gap between how a typical maintenance manager today seeks to improve maintenance and an understanding of how to go about um, successfully getting what they need to do it right. Mm-hmm. And I think there's two pieces to that. First, they tend to ask for things in the middle of the year that they've never budgeted for, right? So. Mm-hmm. So in your scenario, we got to do a criticality analysis and figure out what's the most important stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll just rant, you know, some they'll go to some show, they see somebody, they ask the company for money to help with it, and it was never in the budget, so they just get told no. Mm-hmm. Instead of, okay, great, what do I want to get done the next year? And when is the budget cycle? Let me put a bunch of line items in there for a bunch of money. They'll question it. They'll ask me for an ROI. It doesn't really matter what I put in front of them because no one's ever asked to produce the ROI later. And so they just don't go down that path, but finance will give them some of the money, right? Maybe they don't give them everything, but finance goes, hey, look, instead of getting 500000 next year, we're going to give you 50000 whatever, right? Okay, great. Now I got fifty grand. I can spend to do something. But right. they're not really asking for it and, and structuring it to do that. And I think the other big gap is they don't connect it to the business goals. Why do you need the criticality analysis done in alignment with what that bigger vision was that we're talking about in this in this podcast, right? So mm-hmm. even if it's reduced cost, you know, cost is linked in many ways to risk. And if if you can say I'm reducing risk that that drives inherent cost up. Um, then you can link to that, right? So, or maybe it, this will help you focus on the assets that are impacting your costs the most, right? Yep. There's ways to spin it to align to that company vision. Like you said, you know, pick up the terminology. Mm-hmm. Whatever people are talking about, that's what you structure your ROIs around and, and help drive that. Not, you know, I think people are not arming themselves with senior leadership's words enough. Well, I can I can speak from my perspective, being both one, probably one of the best reactive maintenance managers to ever exist, because I would work, you know, 28 hours a day to make sure my plant was running, um, <laughs> to understanding maintenance and the difference that it makes. And I think that 90% of maintenance managers don't understand what the fundamentals are they understand it's my job to make sure the plant's running and so you know this is telling right you go into a job interview as a maintenance manager and they say how good are you with plcs that (laughs) that question right there tells you how reactive right they are because they don't understand problem solving and don't have systems in place that are effective and so what they need is a glorified mechanic that really understands everything electrical, pneumatics, hydraulics, you know, mechanics, all that type of stuff that can go out, work 300 hours a week and keep the plant running. And I think, you know, 90% of maintenance managers are in that same predicament. And so if you don't know how to get out of that mode, and understand that the word maintenance in and of itself means to maintain, to guard, or protect, which means to keep from failure, 
right? If you don't even understand that, if you think it's fix, restore, replace, right? Um, then we're, you know you're in trouble, right? And so the great thing for me is, is I had a really good mentor that put me in my place, uh, and I was fortunate, and I'm grateful to him to this day, you know. But I think. 90% of maintenance managers, it isn't even about asking about a criticality analysis because they don't even know what that means. They don't even know what that is. And so my bigger concern is, is how do we get that message out to those that don't understand? I mean, the market is so huge. You know, for example, you see people at conferences, right? But most of the time, 90% of the people there are the same people you've seen for the last 10 years. That's right. And we're not... Although, you know, within those companies, they're bringing up other people. So those are new attendees, but the company itself is represented and it's a, almost always the same company. But they're, you know, for example, I was breaking down some statistics this weekend, looking at just manufacturing. Now there's a lot of other businesses out there that have maintenance mechanics and stuff like that. But the data that we have the latest data is from 2018, and there are 279,166 total manufacturing companies or or sites um, in the U.S. And 10 so, of them go to conferences. <laughs> well, yeah, right? It's, you know, 30 to 50 of them, you know, maybe the, maybe the top 100, they might go to some different conferences, not maintenance-related conferences, right? Yeah. But they have some awareness out of, you know, 280,000. And so that's, you know, it's less, it's less than 0.01% of the market. And so how do we, how do we reach those people, you know, because we continue to walk into these facilities and, and, you know, a lot of our customers haven't gone to these conferences they met us through training um and they're in the same boat as you know the the 90 percent and hopefully listeners of this podcast share it so that other people can hear it i mean unfortunately i i agree but it's it's going to be a slow organic kind of thing to get people's education levels up right yeah that's why it's good you know, to have as many outlets as possible to do that. Yeah. Um, because I mean, ultimately, you know, our goal is to, is to raise that education of folks so they can achieve their goals and achieve what they want to do professionally, um, and personally within their profession. And so, you know, to do that, it is a, it is a pretty, pretty big stretch that's some staggering statistics. Right. And then, you know, a lot of times what happens in these companies is the maintenance manager will be there for a year and he's so overwhelmed. He just says, screw this. And he moves on. To- <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times those folks are promoted with no, no clear education as to what the role expectation is. Right. Or to give yeah. them the skills to achieve the role. Well, a lot you of know, times it's mechanics. You're a good supervisor. So now you're the maintenance manager. Right. right. Yeah, mechanics get promoted from within, and and that's not a bad thing. The problem is, is that the organization doesn't invest in them to become the leader that they were hoping they would be. Well, that's a whole nother podcast, Joe. Right. Like we should do a follow up 
because that is a really important topic around how you're supporting the positions that you expect to deliver, right? Yeah. It'd be interesting for us to do a podcast series on how to really change that perception in a company and set it up for success. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Well, we're out of time for this week, so we'll have to schedule that future session. Yeah, sounds good. Joe, you were an amazing guest. Hey, thanks for having me, George. I appreciate <laughs> it. It was an honor. <laughs> it was an honor to talk to you again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we've got um, a bunch of other guests already lined up. We're doing some more recordings this week that we're going to have uh, lots of fantastic content we continue to produce. But I think it is a good idea for every once in a while for you and I to sit down and just have an open, honest conversation that's not necessarily tied to an individual or a company that that individual works for. Yep. Sounds good to me. Awesome. For Joe Anderson, I'm George Williams. Go make tomorrow better than today.